UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Got hey guys, it. welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. We're going to talk about today, but I have a fascinating guest. She's done like the podcast circuit. She's been on other shows. And who I have with me is Natalie Zett. She um, basically, she is con connected with dead people or, you know, past relatives or in other people's uh, past too. But she did this while researching her family. Let me just tell you a little bit more about her story. Natalie is drawn to misplaced and forgotten. Oh, wait, Natalie wrote a book. Sorry, I missed it up. Natalie That's wrote all a right. book. That's all right. The main <laughs> character is not the person, but the tragedy a few have heard of the Eastland disaster of 1915. But what happens when you're innocently investigating your family's history and the supernatural intervenes that happened without seeking or wanting this. And she the file that under unattained consequences category, something she has learned from writing her book adventures. When you awaken the dead, expect the unexpected. And I, that's one thing that I really want to talk about and a little bit more about my guest. She's a writer, actor, photographer, and a musician who's worked as a freelance journalist for magazines and papers since her late teens. Her favorite writing job was working for an award-winning community newspaper in St. Paul, the Park Bugle. Natalie also taught others how to write community letters at the Loft Library Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And over the past few years, she's become a family historian. Natalie's a proud graduate of Ursuline College, Pepper Pike, Ohio, where she majored in business administration. She also graduated from the Luther Seminary, St. Paul, Minnesota, where she received a master's in systematic theology. So I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Natalie, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thank you, Rob. Well, I'm honored to be here in this wintry night. So it's, it's really good to see you, meet you. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, so, I'm, you know, my name's typical skeptic, but I, I tend to be more of a believer and I'm real open minded, but I haven't had contact with any. I mean, I talk to people who say they contact the dead all the time, you know, but I mean, like, I, I haven't had the experience myself. So I, I'm, I'm not skeptical about it. I want to believe. Let's put it that way. I want to believe. But where were you at with this before this happened to you? Like, what was your stance on if we have an afterlife or not? Well, I. Um, before before we went live here, we were talking about background, and I grew up with both of my um, both sets of grandparents were Eastern European and Central European immigrants. And my father's side, they are of mixed ethnicities, part Roma, sometimes called Gypsy, um, Jewish, Carpatho Rusin, so kind of like your basic Eastern European mishmash. And I would say growing up around them, we were from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. That's where they immigrated. They had the Ouija board, talking to the dead. What else did they do? They'd read tea leaves, coffee grounds, whatever, read you. So it was normal, in other words, for me. And then you realize, my God, my family's like the Adams family when you're growing up. And you want to be anything but that. Because I think that's being a kid, too. You want to individuate and just say, oh, I don't want to be like this. But I grew up with it. I respected these people. I really did. They weren't, um, it wasn't a joke for them. I mean, they were unintentionally funny sometimes, but they were um, also too herbalist. I should add that too. So they were doing all this stuff, but um, I wasn't, I knew it was a thing. Okay. And the supernatural was just natural, but I also knew, I think because of society culture, then again, I got the other side of the family. And of course I was very, I was interested in spiritual things, but I went the path of traditional religion for a while, hence the master's degree in systematic theology. And so, um, the, you know, it's like whoever dominates the culture is the one that holds the magic. So that part of the the culture, they just canceled it out. It's like, no, that doesn't exist. It's of the devil or whatever. And that kind of balderdash that we've all heard. And like you, that's why I like, I like the title of your podcast. I do tend to be skeptical. And so 
when this visited upon me, when I was in the midst of just doing research about the Eastland disaster, when I found out I had a 19-year-old relative woman who was killed, it flipped. And that's when things started opening up. I thought, oh my God, um, the stuff that I learned as a child seemed to be coming to pass. And I thought, uh oh, so it wasn't like I didn't see this stuff, but I didn't. Some people go seeking this stuff. I never did. But being who I was as a as a writer and and I'd say critical thinker, skeptic, I thought I've got to write this down as it's happening, even if I never, ever tell anybody else about it, because I needed because I knew I was going to talk myself out of it. And there were very few people, I'll tell you the, the the backstory, but there were very few people I could talk to. I mean, the ones that I could talk to were a little bit ungrounded. That's the kind way I can talk about them. And I really wanted to talk to people who were, were solid and could give me some solid guidance or feedback, kind of like the way I grew up. So I, it's, I'm not a believer, I'm an experiencer. I, I always say that. I really didn't want to, because um, we can we can have a belief and then see, see you know, uh, confirmation bias we could just see whatever we want to see and i thought no i always wanted to believe the opposite even when i teach stuff i thought when i teach my students writing or whatever i'll say okay prove me wrong you know that so that's how i approach things and so it's there's a bit bit of a dance between you know these different areas so i'm not all in but nonetheless this this thing happened and i had to make it fiction because otherwise no one would believe it including me so that's what happened it took a good long time to put it together too well, tell us how the story unfolded. Like, it's so interesting to me, like how this mm -hmm. all kind of unfolded for you. Sure. Um, so about a year after my father died, 1996, I was pretty much a wreck. I was just, I think for the first time, I think when somebody passes away who's important to you, I'm sure everyone's felt this, where you might just kind of be a little more open, a little more humble, a little more... I don't know, just filled with grief. And I think you're you're just looking for something. And I wasn't sure what I was looking for, but I thought at that point when my dad died, I thought, dead is dead. That's it. And I felt bad. And I thought, well, never is gonna see him again. And I it was just all this stuff. And about a year after that, my mother's sister, who I thought was dead, my mother had a very complicated um family and that her mom died when she was a little baby. So she never really knew her mother's side of the family. They were in Chicago. She was in Pennsylvania. She was raised by her father. And so the family story is really kind of a, it's another goulash, another Eastern European goulash story. So there's just this mess. So um, she had a much older sister because this was my, my grandmother's second marriage. Grandmother dies. Mother doesn't know much about her family. So this older aunt of mine, my, my mother's older sister, was a reporter in Chicago in the 1930s. And she retired after she got married but she felt compelled to put together this family history. And she knew I was a published writer by then. That's why I was putting myself through school. Um, and she said, well, I heard you're a published writer and I think you can do something with this. And I didn't know anything about that side of the family. I wasn't interested in my mother's family for a lot of reasons. I didn't really care for my mother's father's family, truth be told, nothing awful. It's just like ugh. some of the, just the, their way of being in the world, I just didn't care for. So I thought there's nothing to find on her side. And then when I was reading this stuff, here two things happened. Um, the first thing that happened was I read about this ship that capsized in the Chicago River. And I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was very much a fan of Chicago. Anything about Chicago, the gangsters, the fire, any of this stuff. I knew Chicago history. I'd never heard of this thing. And when the there was a ship that was chartered for Western Electric, which was kind of like the Silicon Valley of its day, for its annual company picnic, they were going to go across the river to Lake Michigan to the Indiana Dunes, if anybody knows Chicago. And it was, um, you know, Western Electric was a, was a big deal. So the thing capsized while in the river for lots of, you know, reasons. And 844 people died, including my grandmother's 19-year-old sister, who Wait, shouldn't have been aborted. Can you say this? Why, why did this ship capsize? And like, I'd love to know. I mean, what does that mean? Me too. Does that mean it flipped well, over? Well, just think think of an egg in the water, okay? And you know how eggs, when they boil, they just the thing was built. There's a lot of reasons for it. I don't think there's any singular reason for it, but it was built by um, like a manufacturing company that wasn't used to hauling passengers. And at that point of in time, in the 1900s, 
there were races with these big ships with people on them and they go from Lake Erie to Cedar Point and all these different types of places for those who know the Midwest. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay then, I'm from Johnstown, okay? So you no, know the accent. Johnstown, yes, sir. That's so cool. Like that, that, Pittsburgh I, is even cool too. So yeah, Rooston, so Pittsburgh, we'll talk about that. But so, you yeah. know, the magic. So that, so from Johnstown, so my dad was on the radio in Johnstown. He, we moved to Cleveland because he got a job on one of the radio stations there. So that's how we ended up in Cleveland. There was never any work in Johnstown, right? I love my Johnstown, but oh my. But anyway, uh, you probably know the history of that, that place too. So I'll tell, I'll go back to that story about the flood. But, but um, so the, I think it capsized because it was top heavy. It was overloaded with passengers. And then because of the Titanic, which happened mm, three years before the Eastland, they overloaded it. There was a was a federal act that required that you have enough um, lifeboats for all passengers. So it was overloaded on top with, with um, lifeboats. And then it was rotting. So what they did is they filled the rot with concrete. So... And the ship had notable, they call it listing problems, L-I-S-T-I-N-G, listing. So it would sway this way, that way. And I think all ships do, but they they open and close the ballast, which is like the water that they let in and out. Well, the captain raised, let the water out so they could get more people aboard quickly. As soon as they got on board, I think about five minutes after they were on board, the whole thing just capsized. And if you see photos, you can see the front of my book, you can see the photo of all those people. And it was like, Carl Sandburg, the poet, wrote it was like a beached whale with a spear through its heart. And so it capsized for a lot of reasons, um, but combination of numbers of people, the thing was already unstable, and it should never have passed federal inspection. That's the other thing. So there were, there were big trials and stuff that happened afterwards. It was a mess. So it's right there in the Chicago River, like right downtown Chicago, for those who know the area, between Clark and LaSalle. So there it was. That, and your 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 aunt was on, your your great aunt was on there. My great aunt, correct, she was, and she shouldn't have been on there. My grandmother should have. So that's another thing. My grandmother was the Western Electric employee. She was pregnant with the woman who gave me the history, <laughs> and so so my 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 great aunt who was nineteen, she was she was working as a as a servant in um, a judge's house across the street from where they were living in the Southwest Chicago, you know Chicago, and so she shouldn't have been there. And when I read the story in my uh, mother's sister's, she made this big, you know, document. I thought, oh my gosh, my grandmother should have been on that thing. If she'd been on that thing, maybe my myself, my sister, her children, oh my mother for crying out, no, nobody would have been here. And so, oh it was God. one of those. So it was one of those kinds of things where, right away, I thought, Rob, I owe you one, and I didn't even know what I meant. I thought, oh my God, you never had a chance. You never had it. And I felt so, I mean, I think when we see these older photos of relatives or whatever, and they, they're dressed in the quaint gear of the time. And you just think they're not even quite people, but this was a kid. She wasn't even 20 years old and she got killed and she was crushed. And the, I have, um, some of the photos are quite horrific. There was a professional photographer on site there who was supposed to photograph the picnic. He ended up being the main witness to the thing. And so the photos or some of them are pretty grisly, but, um, so they were, um, do you know if anybody, I'm sorry, did anybody survive it? Oh yeah. Quite a few people survived it. There were 2,500. So 844 were killed and 2,500 is around bigger because in some ways they don't quite know because they weren't even tallying who was aboard after a certain point, they just let everybody on board because it was the first and the biggest ship. So there were whole families that were killed. There were people who were treading water for hours in that it was filthy river, you know. And then again, people then people who were onlookers were throwing them things to catch, maybe to hold on to, and they were killing them because they were getting hit in the head and stuff. And then when people panic, they pull each other down in the water. So people were killing each other unintentionally. Oh. There was one kid though, there was one, he was, I think, 18, kind of an 18-year-old troublemaker. And he was a professional swimmer. He just loved to swim. And he he dove in for hours and he he pulled out about 37 bodies. Oh, thank so God. there were people like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was stuff like that. So I think his name was, I'm blanking out on his name, but, but he, Reggie, Reggie, but he, he did his, his part. So there were a lot of stories of heroism, a lot of stories of not so much heroism, but anyway, that's what happened. But the first thing was, oh my God, we shouldn't be here. Oh. And so all of a sudden I thought, for an exchange, this is one of my chapters in the book, an exchange of tickets, one-way ticket. 
And the other thing that happened was um, I moved up to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, for those who are listening from different places, because I had no relatives. So I thought, and because it was unknown to me. And when you're young, you just want to take a chance on a place. And I thought, great, start afresh. I wanted to do some cool stuff, get out of the, the murky, you know, East area where I was living. And, you know, uh, and, and I thought something new, something fun. And, but yet it felt like home. So when I continued reading this document that my mother's sister had created to try to find other people that might've known this woman, I saw some very familiar names. I saw that my great great grandmother on that side of the family had immigrated to Western Wisconsin along with her about seven or eight children. The only the only family that was that had diverged are the ones that went to Chicago. This is right across the border from where I moved, less than an hour and a half from here. So I moved here because it felt familiar, and I thought, oh my gosh. So even before the supernaturally things started happening, I thought, of all the places I could have gone, New York. San Francisco, London, you know, Toronto. This is what I chose because it was familiar. So there's a lot of weird stuff that started happening out the gate. So as a journalist, as a published writer, I was freelance. I'm still freelancing, but I was freelancing at that point where I do work full-time in IT. I've been there for a long time. Um, so I, I do all these multiple things because I get bored easily, but I, I like writing. And I asked my editor, I said, could I do a story on this thing? He said, yeah, can you find anything about it? There wasn't much information at that point, but I just started researching like I was insane. I got obsessed with the story. But it was, at that point, it was still a research pro project. But I thought, this is weird. What a coincidence. Hmm. I moved here. Hmm. So um, it was kind of unnerving. And again, on the heels of my father's death, I felt a little not very grounded. I wasn't willing to talk myself out of stuff. I thought, why don't we just go with it? Just see how crazy this gets. So that was part of it too. I thought, have some fun, you know? Yeah. So how did the, 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 the whole thing of like people um, be, being able to communicate with the dead, can you tell the audience how that kind of came into your life? And like, were you kind of blown away when it mm -hmm. happened? And like, how did this even unfold because like you're, you're obviously grieving from your father but do you think that might have opened up sometimes trauma can open up mm -hmm. something in us psychically you know and, and absolutely and I, and I hear that Pittsburgh accent by the way I just want you to know I heard I got I got a little there <laughs> in there that right. definitely have one I think I, I think you do a little bit of one I can do the Johnstown accent as well but um I I think I I thought my dad was gone you know I really thought he was gone so I, I really wasn't nurturing any kind of fantasy about it but it was when I was in the midst of researching my great aunt's death and researching her life and there was nothing back then about the Eastland next to nothing and I decided um when I, I when my editor said I could make uh, the story do the story I thought I wrote the story it was really quite awful and I thought I need to see the grave and I hadn't been down to Chicago in a long time so I drove from Minneapolis St. Paul to Chicago it's a seven hour trip normally but I I thought I'll break this, the, the journey up and I was going to stay in a hotel in Wisconsin and then go the next day to Chicago. It was like over the Labor Day weekend. It was when I was in this nondescript hotel in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I was just feeling all the things of my dad's death, as you pointed out, the trauma of that, this story, what to do, how to honor the story, whatever. Things started happening in this hotel room. And it was one of those things where a feeling like almost like a generator going off, not that loud and obnoxious, but kind of like an undercurrent. And I thought, what is this? And then um, it, it just got louder and louder and there was no source for it. And strangely enough, I thought, this is something, this is, this is a something, I don't know what it is, but it's something. And I was scared, but I wasn't scared for my life. I wasn't scared about a human coming after me. I thought there's nobody, but I could start to feel that there was somebody else perhaps more than one somebody else in the room with me. And I thought, okay. And I wasn't trying to make this happen. I thought this is happening. Okay. So I thought, let's go with this. The curiosity of a journalist gets me every time. So, um, and then when I, I, th I finally thought I got to turn the lights out, I'm getting really tired. That noise was kind of lulling me to kind of like a kind of a la la land kind of thing. I thought, ah, let's go to sleep. When I turned off the lights, you could only see the light from the smoke detector. There were shapes in the room. Oh my and God. and I didn't have, I mean, I wear contacts normally or glasses. I thought, oh my gosh, but I could still see fairly well. And I thought, uh oh, what's this? 
but it was the strangest thing. It was almost like, um, you'll be okay. I mean, there was no, I heard no voices other than that weird noise. I saw things, but it was a feeling of you just opened a portal, though I could not have expressed it. You said yes, that you, and you felt you wanted to help get that story out of the murky Chicago river and she's going to meet you halfway. And I thought, okay. Um, it was, it sends chills up and down my spine now, even saying that, because again, I kind of went from this stuff doesn't happen or if it did happen, maybe I just made it up when I was a child. I thought this stuff's happening right now. So I started um, writing it down. I think I was up all night and these shapes kept moving and changing shape. And I kept saying in my head, what do you want? And I don't even remember going to sleep, but I woke up at the crack of dawn and then I headed, hit the road, heading towards Chicago, just the, the cemetery where my aunt is buried is just outside of Chicago. And I went to the cemetery, not realizing the cemeteries are big and I didn't know where her grave was. And it was Labor Day weekend. So I was lucky to find the gates open. There was nobody there except for a guy digging graves. And he said, you know, there's, you have to wait until until Tuesday when the office is open. I said, I can't. And so I felt like an idiot. And so this is really a hot, you know, one of those hot September days. I'm running up and down the, the cemetery. I thought, where are the old graves? Maybe I'm there or whatever and blah, 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 blah. And going, you know, just feeling quite unhinged myself. And I thought, oh, what did I do? What did I do? So I was 45 minutes. I was running through the cemetery. Good thing there were no video cameras. And then when I thought, I'm just going back to the car. As I was walking, I tripped, but it was almost like somebody pushed me, not down to the ground, but in a direction back to my car. And I went back to my car and I looked, I had parked right in front of the headstone and I didn't see it the first time. So the headstone's quite huge. And it says in German writing, um, rest in peace, Martha Pfeiffer, that's her name, off the Eastland, on the Eastland. So I thought somebody wanted us to know, not this, just that she died, but she died. So I thought, oh my God. And because I didn't, mind you, I didn't grow up knowing anything about this family. I didn't realize that my great grandparents were on the other side of her, that they came to this country and settled. I didn't know that. And her baby sister, who was three years old, who died in Chicago, something called black diphtheria. I don't really know what that was. They were all there. And I, I collapsed. I thought, oh my God. I got a question. I got a sure. question. This is really important, I think, because like, you're, like, and and that figured out. Why don't you get a drink of water? Because you're talking. Mm -hmm. I, I want you, to, but I wanted to ask you, like, when sure. you're uncovering these truths about your family, mm -hmm. and then you're getting these psychic abilities to to be able to talk to the dead. Do you think this was given to you by your ancestors so that you could uncover this, or did did do you think this was given to you because they wanted you to piece this together? Like, oh wow, is that fair to ask? You oh, know, good questions. Mean? Good questions. I think it was there, Rob. I think it was there, but I was. You know how culture cancels certain things out. Yeah, but but there was one thing that I promised myself in the beginning of this journey. I was not going to gaslight myself. I thought I'm going to write this down, whether I ever share it with anybody. I didn't know, but I thought I cannot talk myself out of this. It's too important, and I don't even know what I meant. But I thought, um, again, the whole thing about obligation. It was a good obligation because I thought I'm here because you took those tickets, and I've been able to live my life. And I think just the recognition. I do think, I'm not sure about belief, but I do think that the consciousness does seem to go on. And I think if for myself, I just started calm, even though I was, I was freaking out. I mean, I really was part of me. I thought, oh my God. And it was lonely because there, there, as I said, there were very few people I could talk to about this who weren't a little bit, you know, a little bit hoo-hoo in the dilly themselves. And I thought, great. And um, I thought, no, I'm not giving you any psychic readings. I'm not doing that. And basically I really... Um, I'm very clear of my boundaries. And um, I, there are certain things I thought, I am not a carnival person, okay? I really, I want this to be taken seriously. And I also wanted to be um, respectful of the ancestors. I have a bit of a fear of them. I thought, ooh. And having grown up around people, they were always talking to the dead and stuff like that. And there was always stuff flying around my grandmother's house when my relatives would come and have their seances. I thought, I thought I imagined it and I thought, oh no, I don't think I imagined it. So it was kind of coming full circle. It was realizing that this is part of my legacy, whether I like it or not. And I thought, let's figure this out. Again, my curiosity always trumps culture 
and everything else and indoctrination, all the stuff that we've learned without even questioning. I always, I, I, that's why I like skepticism. It's just like, you know, wait a minute, is this true? So, so I think that I don't know, it's one explanation for it, which you asked are really, those are good questions. There's one way to, there's lots of ways to explain it. I mean, they can be guiding us too, without us knowing, right? I I think so. I think so. I mean, because we're, I think you're right. I think when I look back on it, when I wrote, started putting what together, together, what became the book, I thought I followed her footsteps my whole life. More or less, she she was born in Johnstown after the family immigrated. I was born in Johnstown. We moved to the Midwest, Cleveland. She kept going to Chicago. And then the other relatives that went up to Wisconsin, I followed the path, whether I wanted to or not. So this whole thing like the matrix, it's like maybe there are only so many places you can go and you'll always go to that pla- those places you should go. Whether you recognize it in this lifetime, I don't know. But I think because of my legacy, you're asking really good questions, by the way. Because of my legacy, I thought, huh. And I thought, what do you do with this? I thought, well, we're going to remember the dead, not just my aunt, but the 844 who, because why are they forgotten? Why is that that um, tragedy forgotten? Because of the population. They weren't wealthy. They weren't famous. They were Eastern European, Southern Italian factory workers for the most part. And basically, my my mother's sister, um, who wrote that initial um, family history, she said they didn't have unions. There was nothing they could do back then. They had to go back to work. They couldn't file lawsuits. They didn't have the money. And so it's really hard for us, this era, to figure out what that was like for those people. But it's really important. It was really important for me to go back in that history and try to reconstruct what was that. You know what? That's that was around the time of when those big world's fairs around that area were. Yeah, exactly. 1895 it happened. And so the so the vestiges of, you know, the Great White City and then that guy that was killing everybody, JJ <laughs> Holmes, that was like around that time era too, but but they were living near um the leftovers of the of the the fair. I mean, the big world exposition, I should say. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of conspiracy around those too. Like big Oh, people, I know. Yeah. Big people say where they shape to be, but, but, but to be like to shape our reality. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, probably. When you think about it, I think probably isn't everything. I mean, whoever, whoever the advertisers are, whoever has whatever, you know, the most, whatever, the most money or whatever, whatever. I think that our reality is being shaped all the time. And then yeah. it's up to us sometimes to step back from and the kind of questions you're asking. And for me, this stopped me dead in my tracks, my father's death. And then a year later, this, I thought, wait a minute, what do I think? Who am I? I'm not just me making independent decisions. I made this decision thinking I was so cool, thinking I was so original. All I did was follow to the mothership. And that's where I ended up. So it was very humbling, I would say, you know, the damn. So the communications definitely happened from that time in that hotel room. I stopped fighting myself. And then when I came back to St. Paul to finish that article that, that I published, um, the feelings continued in my part. I was living, I was single, living in this little apartment in St. Paul. Stuff continued in there where I felt like she was in there, somebody was in there. And then when I was finishing the article, this is the funny part. Um, I had a, one of those one bedrooms I'm typing in my my bedroom. And I heard this crash from the kitchen, which was a few feet away. All the stuff on top of my refrigerator had fallen off, fallen off. The refrigerator were not on a fault line. It's not the San Andreas fault here. I thought, how did that happen? And I put stuff back. I thought, gee, that's weird. The second time it happened, I thought, oh, it was, I was starting to get unnerved. The third time it happened, when I went went back, I thought, I stood there. I thought, what do you want? Something was trying to get your attention, right? Oh, she did. It was... I said, whatever you want, just tell me, please. I thought, stop doing this stuff. I was getting kind of, I have the, I tell people I have the personality of Piper in the original charm. Cause it's like, oh crap, what do you want? You know? And it's just kind of like, I'll do what you need to do. You don't have to do all the drama. Okay. And, but I was scared still. I thought what, I, I, cause I felt again, this, it basically puts you on that solitary spiritual path, whether you want it or not. I was, this was no vision quest. I was kind of forced into it, but I said yes to it. I called my mother because what do you do? You know, <laughs> you call mommy. And my mother also was very um, much of, you know, she was open, but not really. She was more of a, of, of an unbeliever. When I was telling her all this stuff that happened, 
I said, I bought you some rocks back from Chicago. I bought you this because this was new information to her, too. I said, I think I brought something else back from Chicago. She said, well, what? I said, I think I brought Aunt Martha back. She said, what? Then I told her everything. And she was silent for quite a while. And she said, you know, she's family. She's not going to hurt you. She said, so just go with it. Then she hung up. And I thought, thanks, mom. Yeah, it was. She couldn't deal with it emotionally. This was this was really hard for my mother because she lost her mother at such an early age. And the people that brought her up, my grandfather's family, not the best, not the nicest. And she used to say, um, you can't miss what you never had. But I never believed her. And the, before she died, she died earlier this year. The gift that I gave to her was the gift of her history and her family. So that had less to do with the supernatural than it did the years that it took me to uncover this. I said, Mom, this is who your people are. You're not just related to this crowd. You're related to these people. And they're wacky and they're crazy and they're beautiful. And they that they went to their own drumbeat. And I think she couldn't express it, but she just said, this is really something. This is really something. So I think it did mean a lot. And I think hopefully it brought her healing before she departed. And do you think, would you say that was one of the benefits of exploring like your family's history? Like, like, cause that seems like it's worth it all right there because it's, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When, when you can give your, your parent, I mean, I think we just see our parents as our parents, whatever our relationship is to them for a while, they're like God. And you're this little twerpy thing that gets, you know, uh, you know, they yell at you and stuff like that. So, and then you realize they're just people. And then you realize that, um, after you go through your teenage and early 20 year, years of whatever, just, ah, you know, I'm not like you, I'm, I'm, I'm me and whatever. And then it's like, oh, I'm really like you. And I think the gift of being able to give that back to her. And I wish my, I only wish my father had, because I went on to become a genealogist. I wish my father had lived long enough for me to give back part of his history as well, because he lost his father at a young age. So I think that is definitely supernatural, paranormal or not. The fact that you can uncover certain things and you, and when you do genealogy, it's like, you know, with living people, you uncover some not so cool things too. So it's not like it's off in la la land. There's some stuff I found that's like, whoa, I'm not going to go too close to some of that, but it's there. And I think the sooner people can face um, the truths about certain things, the sooner it, it comes out of the shadows and you realize it's not that big after all, as long as you can talk about it, tell its story and I'm not sure what healing really looks like, but I think for me, what it did is it put me back in, in the family, not not the immediate family, the, you know, my immediate family. Of course, I was close to them, but, but the, I was part of them. And I realized I'm part of these tribal people. And I when I began to uncover all of their sides, it's like, what a wacky bunch. And it was I was understood why I was so, you know, just kind of creative doing off the, the off the wall things hmm? was this the romany part of your family that you thought that you discovered or is that or the, the gypsy or whatever? well i already knew that they were this is my dad's side not my mom's side my mom's side is the subject of the book my dad's side i already knew that but again i have to say with all the stories they told i didn't know what was true and what wasn't and the romany you really it's, it's actually very difficult to figure out romany ancestry the only reason i know it is because of where they came from my grandmother was born in what is now slovakia in a village that is called a Romany village. And so, and I, when I look at some of the photos of that side of the family, again, that's my dad's mother's mother. I can, I can kind of see that there's, there's that resemblance, but again, but it's, we're very much a mix too of, of every, my dad was, was also, um, there's an ethnic minority called Rusyns, R-U-S-Y-N, not Russians, Rusyns. And they tend to be Byzantine Christians or Orthodox Christians. And if you've heard of Andy Warhol, he was one as well. And in Pittsburgh. So that's yeah, where, yeah, know, yeah. yeah we know you know the Rusins. So, so that's, yeah. So, so Slovak Rusin is what I am at my father's side, basically with a smattering of Ashkenazi Jewish and a smattering of the Romani, but the Romani isn't like I was brought up in a caravan, but there were certain habits. And I think if you're doing, if anybody's listening and does family history, sometimes some of the habits that people have or traditions and they don't know where they they came from when you start investigating it's like wait a minute i know who does this so we had a lot of things the horses the the tinsmiths the fortune telling we had it all so there were certain giveaways that we had and um and so for, so for me you know contacting the dead telling fortunes or whatever it's like people have asked me at work can you read tarot cards i thought who can't read tarot cards apparently it's a novelty thing for some people but i grew up playing with that stuff so it's no it's what I want to say, too, is I when I do talk to people on those lines, I like to empower them. It's like, look, I don't have any magic. Okay, you have it. 
You really do have it. And I think my job is to take the flashlight, point it so you see your own magic. Like, don't trust me that much because, I mean, I'm as flaky as they come sometimes. So, but, but anything that you can do to empower yourself. And I think when you realize who you come from and you realize the good, the bad, the weird or whatever, and you can look at all of that and it takes a long time. It's pretty empowering. And I think that it can lift you up. You can stand on the shoulders of the ones that you think are wonderful. And the other ones, it's like, yeah, you're there too. But, and you can forgive. the foundation for us to be here. Yes, yes. And nobody's family, no matter what they say, has, I mean, I don't even know what perfect is. You know, there's no such thing. It's like in the eye of the beholder or in the conceptualization of the beholder. But there's no family that doesn't have goofy people, wacky narcissists, stuff like that. But there's also families... We all have people that are wonderful and rise to the occasion and have helped us and have been there for us. So, so it's kind of accepting the, the, the mess that is. So with this situation, I think that um, besides I needed, I felt I needed to bring lost history back. I also wanted to honor her. And when um, all this was taking place, the supernatural stuff, it got to be less of a novelty for me and I stopped fighting it, but it took a couple of years. Because it was unnerving. Now I can talk about it like, oh, yeah, but it was upsetting. I thought, oh, God. And people that knew me as, as you know, the, the journalists, skeptical journalists, always questioning everything. They said, what happened to you? I said, well, you know, I just kind of went down a path. And I, I'm always uneasy about it to an extent because people make assumptions about people that are, um, you know, involved in this sort of thing and i always want to say look um i i i basically kind of walk the line with this stuff i'm not all in but i'm not all out either and always always remain curious and always always remain open but not so open that you don't use your critical thinking you just say okay not everything is what you think it is it's like test it out and if it's valid it will come back it'll be it'll be there for you it'll strengthen you too it's like how does it make you feel are you a better person I'm a better person because of this. That's the other thing too. It's like, I'm much less um, self-involved more like, okay, what can I do for you? you How can I be of assistance? Do you think this gave you a, a complete belief of the afterlife? Like, I mean, do you think this kind of, kind of solidified? I mean, I think it would for me, but like, do you, do you feel like you were really communicating with the, I mean, were you sure you're sure of it? I mean, I'm not well, being too skeptical. I'm oh no, skeptical. no, go ahead. Be skeptical. I mean, I appreciate the skepticism. Believe me. I wasn't I mean, at first. I just want to drive the point home that. Oh yeah, I think it's. I, mean? I think like, I stopped fighting it. I think I absolutely. It's like the stuff off the refrigerator, the feelings, whatever. And again, it's subjective, of course. And I was the only one there watching this stuff. But the other thing too that happened. I mean, finding those graves. How did I find those graves? You should see that place. And that apparently is not unusual for genealogists when they go into graveyards that they've never been. So I think there's a way when we say yes to our past. When we say yes to our past, our past, in a sense, says yes to us in a se- and also becomes part of our present. Can you communicate with the dead or whatever? My mom just died, and believe me, I am still in mourning about that. And I've only had, I don't try to make things happen, but there are, there are times where I just, I miss her so much on the earth plane. I believe her consciousness has gone on, but that doesn't take the place of, of missing her. But there was something the other night when I was in the midst of, I was in the back of the studio recording my audiobook, which has been just more fun than anybody can tell you. Um, I just was getting so uh, overwhelmed because every time I repeat the words in that book, it just kind of draws me in and draws the grief out too. And I felt she was there and she's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, You've been through worse than this. <laughs> so it's just like, she had a very gallow sense of humor. And so uh, but I do miss her. So it's like, can I communicate with her? She's inside me too. The other thing too, is these people as a genetic genealogy uh, hobbyist person, I can't say I'm a full on scientist, but they live inside us too. And I think when you pay attention, certain things come forth. I think we're wired for certain types of activities. And I think Dean Radin or somebody was actually doing studies on DNA to see our people, do people carry the psychic gene or psychic dna and and he was being serious about it i thought you know it does seem to run in families and in cultures such as the romani gypsies of course the rusins as well go back to pittsburgh you know i think that that's there's a lot of that there and so um uh i I think that it's it's just it's inside us and sometimes we don't have to go you know chasing um abandoned houses we can hand if you want but 
Um, but all you have to do is get still, be still and know that if you listen um, and if your patience was part of it too, and I'm not, I'm really impatient. I get agitated. I'm impatient. I'm like ADD. And I just, I had to learn to just slow it down and um, listen in ways that with my whole being. And I was never really good at that. I, I wanted to tell you that I interviewed this guy. He's really cool. Mm. He's, he's been on my show a couple of times. His name is yeah. Mark Anthony. He's the, he's called the psychic lawyer, the psychic explorer. They mm. calls himself or big people call him. But, but, uh, he wrote a book called the afterlife frequency. And what he says in that book huh. is that we need to kind of get on the same frequency as our ones who passed. Would you agree with that? That maybe we need to wow. frequency like a radio station, like FM. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going AM to AM. So we're on the same wavelength. I love that. I love, you know what? My partner's always said, it's like, you're a radio. And I was like, oh, come on. But I think I like, I'm going to have to get that book because I think that there is something, it's, it's a great way to explain it. I think some of us, you know, some of us are wired for certain things, right? I mean, some people have this incredible sense of sight or hearing or whatever, and others, not so much, but some of us are real tuned in. Uh, somebody asked me on a podcast last summer, do you think you're a highly sensitive person? And I said, yeah, I've been described that way. I try to cover it up because otherwise people will start you know, doing things to you. But I think I am. I think I noticed even as a child, the nuances of things. And uh, I could pick up, I could always pick up on who was you know, a creeper or whatever. When I was a little kid, there was a guy that was doing things to little girls in our neighborhood. And he wanted me yeah, to get into the car with him one time. And I said, no. And I was really rude to him. And I said, my parents said, I can't go with anybody that that's not them. So I said, no, and I was like in kindergarten. And my mother said, well, why didn't you get in the car with him? Because he was our neighbor. She said, I said, I don't like him. And she said, okay. And then found out years later, he was doing things to little girls, but I could just feel the, the, I couldn't describe it, but I could feel the yuck. And, um, and I often years later, I was teaching self-defense personal safety classes. And I always have said to people, and I think you don't have to be psychic. You get a hit and it usually hits you viscerally. And I would say to anybody listening to this, follow that. <laughs> There's a reason for it. It might not be the reason that you think, not to think badly about everybody, but that's a gift. I, I think. Tell you, I think this is a really important because we're talking about like how we, you know, we're getting how we get yeah. these psychic powers. And I'll tell you something that happened really recently that I thought yeah. was like the most psychic, one of the most psychic things that ever happened to me. Well, how I met my girlfriend. I was, oh, yeah, this on my podcast before, but I, for people that haven't heard it, like I'll let you hear it because it's really interesting. Like I was in the soup store and I passed her. And she had on a Ouija board shirt and I thought that was cool, but I, it, I noticed her and I noticed she was beautiful and everything, but, and I kind of just like, I didn't, I, I didn't have the, the guts to say anything. So I walked past her, but I got, the point is I got a real strong psychic sense. Something was telling me, it was like pulling my arm saying, you need to talk. It was like a red light going off. Something was saying, you need to talk to her. I was saying like right now, right now, then it turns out that well, I saw her in the parking lot and I, I said something and I told her about my podcast and, and just, oh I figured that's how we can connect. So, and then she mm -hmm. ends up commenting on a video and it turned into like conversations that those turned into meetups and then it turns into whatever's going on now, which is by luck, but it turns out me and her have all these synchronicities. And so, wow. Wow. Insane wow. Punch and we have like, I, I'm talking insane stuff. Like we both had parents that died the same year, but like oh, both of our parents died. Her, her mom and my dad died in 2001 which mm -hmm, is weird. Sorry. We both had exes die. We both had, mm -hmm. I mean, like it's, it's from the music that we listen to, to this, to that. Mm -hmm. It's all like, yeah. it's weird. And it, it all came from a psychic hunch. Wow. So where does this stuff wow. come from? You know? No, I don't know. It's insane, right? I don't know that we'll ever know, Rob, but you know what? You have it. We have it. And I think it's just part of us that we, I don't know that just, I think, I think we're the W Y R D the old English way of spelling it. It's just like, it's part of who we are. And those the most interesting people I know are the weirdest ones because they embrace that. And I think I love that story that how you felt it, you know, and it's, yeah. it's more than just like, like, Oh, she's cute. It's like, Whoa, there's something else drawn you. Right. Sounds yeah, like. I don't know if it was like a spirit guide or an ancestor or, or, Could be. or just like my consciousness, like there's something like my soul saying that this is a soul I need to be connected to. Yeah, absolutely. The synchronicities, is, it, you know? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever, when I was in um, my undergrad courses, I read a lot of, I did a lot of psych readings, um, psychology readings. Carl Jung has all these books about synchronicities coincidences i thought after a while it's not a coincidence like all the stuff that happened with with my finding the stuff out about my mother's side of the family moving here whatever after a while i stopped counting i thought how many 
things do I need? I don't need to get hit in the side of the head. I'm I'm being led and now I'm leading. I'm going to take charge of this experience. And the other thing too, I, I wanna say is that I didn't want her to take care of me. I said, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of your story while I'm on this earth. I will be the guardian of your story. You don't have to work so hard on the other side now, other than just stay with me. And I don't know where I came up with that. It was just one of those things where it certainly wasn't the kind of stuff you see in the movies or in books. It's like, oh, please guide me, please, whatever. It's like, no, I'll take care of you. You're 19 forever. I am not 19 anymore. And so I I will I will be there and I will, you know, whatever you want to have done, whatever I will do. And I will care for your legacy. And I can now leave in peace because your story is going all over the freaking place. She always wanted to travel when she was a kid and she wanted to go all over the world. And every time I look at my stats from Squarespace and I see, oh, you're in India now, you're in Turkey, you're in China, you did it. You made it all over the world. And so it was a promise kept as well. And I think there's ways to honor them. So it's not just to ask them to do something for us, which I have, believe me, like my mom, I thought, mom, help. But it's also, what can I do for you? How can I be? How can I um, be of assistance? Not in a you know a demeaning kind of way, but how can I be you know whatever you wanted to do, whatever you didn't get a chance to complete in your beautiful but short life? And that's what I try to do. That's so beautiful that you. I mean, because her her soul is probably living on through those memories. Like you know, I feel like the con the 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 ones who passed can sometimes can access the the earth plane, and maybe she's in Paris watching someone read her book. Maybe then, maybe, maybe she. Oh, I never thought about that. You know, maybe she wow. can go over to India and see her consciousness can watch someone read her book. Maybe that oh my god, so joy. You know, that's so cool. I love that. I never really. I, I love going on these podcasts because everybody sees things that I never see. I'm too close to it. This is beautiful. It, it's, um, it's yeah. lovely to think that way. I th- I'd love to think that maybe we're like that in the afterlife, that maybe the universe kind of bends to our will. Like, because you know how they say the law of attraction works here? Like they say mm-hmm. the law of attraction, you can make the universe kind of work for you here, like the way you want yeah, it. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're it's right. not going to make you a millionaire. But the, I had a guest come on and tell me that on the other side, the universe completely bends to your will. If you think about it, you can imagine it or be there or do whatever I think there's you know, truth that, to that's that. what i was told i don't know i think i think there's truth to that i think um there was a, a writer when i was a kid and she actually was a, like a more christian writer but she was kind of out there too i think she would get in trouble if she were alive today but she used to always talk about the prayer of imagining and she talked about she'd be very specific about what your dream is then she would say put it away and then watch it come true and i used to do that when i was a kid because i was such a fan of hers and i thought wow and she would say the dreaming prayer, it can come true. So it's similar to what you're talking about is that it's that context. But I thought, dang, that's really cool. So I think that if we can imagine it, because when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be an actor. I always wanted to do these things. And my dad was a performer, so I wanted to perform. And it started with the imagination, Imagio Day, you know, the whole thing about being made in the image of whatever you want to call the God thing, you know, because I'm really not a believer, but it's just whatever your entity is, your spirit entity, it's just like, you want to raise yourself up and it's hard sometimes in this world but it's just like we can do that we can do that for each other and those that live in our dna and outside of us i don't know how they do it it's too much it would break my brain rob if i tried to think about that it's just like okay the blood it's they speak to to, my dad used to always say it's in the blood it's in the blood and i don't know what he meant and now i think i understand what he means it's in the blood you don't have to go that far the blood will lead you yeah and that's 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 really well said i i I like that like so so you think our ancestors do guide us through our i mean do you think our like our souls are connected or something like that i don't know i mean i i i would say since scientifically yeah i mean that they're inside us i mean you wouldn't be you without mom and dad and grandpas the four sets of and then you keep going back and back there's like a whole like all these people that you are that brought you into being that they are you're here because they were. That's what I've, I've said too. You're here because they were. And are they, I think the kind of souls do tend to travel in packs somehow. Sometimes I, I used to joke and say, there's only 25 or 26 people in this world because I keep meeting them all the time. And you're not resonant with everybody, right? You Like your, your girlfriend, now you saw her, it's like you, you know, you, 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 you recognized her. Where did you recognize her from? You know, where did she recognize you from? You probably will never know. And I, I'm hesitant about 
saying, oh, it's because of this is because of that. I don't know. I'm much more comfortable saying, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. I'm willing to explore. And I think what happens is the quality of our questions get better because really um, it's the quality of questions, not getting answers because you're never going to have answers, but you're going to have questions that'll lead to more questions that will lead to the connection. And I think when you feel lifted up, when your spirit goes high, it's like, ah, yeah, you, you, you. I recognize you from the other other life. So do you think life then is meant to be mysterious to raise our spirituality? Do you think I've- I don't know. Sense, or- it is mysterious, don't you think? I mean, it's I can't figure mysterious. out why people are so goofy sometimes. It's just like, it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, I mean, seriously, on the on the, on the that side of things, I think, yeah. Um, but other things I think that, that are they knowable? Well, it depends. I mean, we're- Listen, Western culture, it's funny, I'm very influenced by by Eastern thought too. I mean, I'm talking about Eastern um, uh, Orthodox thought, the theologians of the uh, the Eastern right. And it's all about the sort of being very comfortable with the numinous, the things you can't touch, not trying to trap them, put them in bottles, but it's just like, be comfortable being uncomfortable, be comfortable with the unknowing of it all. Because even if we could know something, wouldn't our, I mean, my head would blow up. And there was a way, I think, when when I first was making contact with my departed loved one, it was almost too much. I mean, it was almost like when you're when you're in one of those big cathedrals over in the United Kingdom or whatever, you feel like you're this big and everything else around you is so much bigger. And it's like, or looking up in the sky at night, it's like, wow. I mean, there's a feeling of wow and a feeling of overwhelm, but in the best possible way that lets you know that even though you are this little teeny tiny thing you can still do some stuff i mean you can still connect and um you can you can do a lot but i think the mystery is is part of it and i think it's supposed to stay that way because if people try to find answers and it's like well this is because of this it gets back into that dogmatism which i really don't like um uh, I, I agree with that i'm, I'm yeah, not I know the same you. way i'm not very religious i'm not i'm not religious at all i'm more spiritual yeah. you know like yeah same here same here definitely yeah. i study this stuff i know <laughs> get a theology degree that'll kill any belief i mean it's just one of those oh, kinds of things oh i'm so glad you brought that up i'm so, I'm so happy oh no don't ask me I, I could you want me to read greek for you i can do it no well i am greek but i'm grieving in lebanese so the the the, the are you really oh yes. my god oh, i can I'm i don't really know the ancient greek. To like all that history you know i love I, it that kind oh of my way. god there's a maronite church near us we go for festivals sometimes oh my god i love the, the maronite the lebanese church oh my gosh love it yeah love it. yeah they, they I, I was raised orthodox but i know who the maronite okay church. you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah they, they they uh they're lebanese christians right they're Catholic. yes maronites yes uh-huh yeah they are so cool um i love i was raised greek orthodox but then like i, like I wow. said i got away from religion but i wanted to ask you like I, I love the stories of like Alexander the Great, but then I go even oh, yeah. further back. I go like to like ancient Persia and all that. Oh, stuff. yeah. I go oh, yeah. further back. Like, and I just wanted to get your opinion on this. And it's not just Zachariah Sitchin, but like the stories of the Anunnaki. Have you ever got into this having a theology degree? And what are your I thoughts? I remember. On- I remember, but not enough to comment on it. Sorry. It's been a while since I've, I've, that was a long time ago. And there's so many things um, that, that I did read. So I don't, I'm, I apologize. I don't remember. I just know the name. And it's like, it's a something, but that's all I know. What, what do you know about it? Well, they're, 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 they might've came here and they seen my seated humanity. And they're, they're oh, like, they okay. settled in the Fertile Crescent, which was like Sumeria. Okay. Yes, I think I have. I mean, I, actually, I think it was on Bill Shatner's The Unexplained. <laughs> I think that was on there. Yeah, I think it was. So it could be anything's possible. Actually. You know, yeah, yeah, anything's possible, right? I mean, we don't know. They we have these we know. Sumerian kings, it's yes, Sumerian kings list. These yes, the Sumerian kings, the Hammur- Code of Hammurabi, those kinds of things. Yes, yeah, of well, course. they say in the Code of Hammurabi, he says mm-hmm. that the bell we get bell was Marduk, and he says Marduk. Mm-hmm. I remember, yes, yeah, yeah, you're bringing it all back to me. Thank you for that. Oh, no, I'm just kidding, yeah, it's all back. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, but like, so, but a lot of people thought that that stuff was myth, but I think like. They found Gilgamesh's tomb. Gilgamesh's tomb. Yes, they did. A lot of things they did find. So that's what the nice thing about being alive now is that all the stuff that we were told was legend. Really watching Shatner's show, even though we kind of laugh at him sometimes, it's just like they've uncovered all the stuff that we said, no, that didn't happen. I love ancient. My thing is ancient Egypt. I mean, oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it, too. Yeah. The mummy. Oh, my God. The original mummy. No, the real one. You know, I love that idea. I think that's where I learned about reincarnation from that 1930 one movie it was like whoa and i wondered about that as well and again there's so many ways you can explain 
some of this stuff, but the fact that it's written into our consciousness to make these connections and even say reincarnation, there's a thought, life goes on. It's inside of all the major religions like Orthodox Judaism has it. They don't talk about it as much. A lot of, not just Hindus, but there's a lot of variations on the reincarnation um, uh, concept. So it's it seems to be universal part of our humanity to say, you're not all there is, okay? Do you think that we have past lives? I mean, I, I'm pretty- I'm thinking we are. I'm thinking we are. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's certain things when I was a child that maybe have nothing to do with this where I would watch old- um, because my dad was an entertainer, we always had, you know, media people around watch silent movies. I mean, movies from like the 1900s before talkies in the 1920s. I thought, I said, I know this. I've seen this before. I've been there. And my mother would say, oh, God. But there was something that I recognized about that era that was that just made me feel weird. I mean, like a connection. So I think and I've read of, of people that have like those children that can recount lives of people that actually were like that World War II pilot, that little four-year-old that had the whole deed. I mean, pro it probably is. But the thing is, I think because most people, self-included, don't want a whole lot of media attention for the obvious reasons. Like now it's like, it's really kind of frightening. Most of the stories we keep to ourselves, it was very, I mean, me being super introverted and not really, it's like, don't pay attention to me, pay attention to the story. I don't want any attention. It was unusual for me to do this, but I felt I had to, but I really, ugh. Um, but I think a lot of people are even more, not secretive, but they're they're careful, more careful than I am. Cause I thought, oh, what the hell, you know, might as well do it. Um, but a lot of people are, for understandably, they're not going to tell you the stories of like Jim Harrell's campfire. A lot of these people call in and they'll talk about their the things that happened to them. And that to me, they're very credible. And I don't doubt a word they're saying, but it's like, it's a safe place to talk about this stuff. So many, it's pretty, it's common, actually. I've had Jim Harrell on my show. Love him. He's the pod father. He was, I was on his show, the first podcast I was on, but I'd follow him since 2005. Isn't he? He's amazing. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a really Isn't nice he? guy. He's a he sweet guy. He seems to know a lot about podcasting and stuff. Oh like, God, he's he is he's a master of the the art of podcasting. His cast just sounds so good. I mean, it's just like my God. I would agree, and he gets yeah. some good stories. He gets some really good like he does stuff. I love paranormal. You know, I, oh. I keep talking about it all day. Like, no, I know it's fascinating, isn't it? it? Just keeps you it keeps you energized, right? And it keeps you hopeful. Even talking to you, it's like, oh my God, he's from Pittsburgh and all this other stuff. It's just like, oh my God. I mean, there's just so many things that make me feel alive. You know, it's good. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I love it. I can talk about it all day. Which you do. <laughs> I know. It, it's a, well, I, I, I lost my job yesterday, which was crazy. Like my full-time job. I, I, but I was, my heart wasn't there. Okay. It was okay. There. It was oh. my heart was somewhere else. It was, was my heart's with this, you know, I love doing this, but oh my. until I, I might have to get another part-time job until yeah, I. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I think the same thing kind of happened to Jim, if I'm not really? mistaken. Ask him if you're in contact. I think the story was, I mean, he was like me. I, I do like my job. I work for this for the for state government and IT, but there are many years where I just detested my jobs. I was so glad when they blew up or got outsourced or whatever. But Jim, I think, was in a job. I don't know what he was doing, but I think it ended. And then he was doing this part-time, and all of a sudden it just he was one of the first podcasters, as you probably know. And um, I think I th sometimes from those endings. But it's scary. I mean, I'm not underplaying how frightening it is because I lost jobs when shop, job, my jobs were my job was shipped to India or whatever. You know, one of those IT jobs. We were always kind of on the chopping block. So I know what that feels like. And I'm really sorry that even if you hated the job, it's like, oh, but it's hard. But I have a feeling <laughs> that things will be happening. Oh, that's, that's that because you're psychic, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, just, that's what other people are telling me, too. But, you know, I just got to like. I don't know. Wow. It's a, it's a shock though, isn't it? Even if you, it's like, even if you want it to end, it's like, dang, you know, wait a minute. It is, it is but I think it's his new horizons. You know, I'm looking at it as that. I'm looking at it as like, I'm not yes, absolutely. I'm just moving on. That's why mm -hmm. I still wanted to do the show today. There was time, there was times where I thought about maybe I should cancel today because I thought. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I'm no, glad you did. Awesome. I love talking about side phenomena, you know? Oh gosh. Well, you got plenty of it. I think it'll I know it will, you'll be guided and um, I'm glad you did too, because I too was having just, it was just been a kind of a rough year. And today was particularly just one of those, like your day is like, oh my God, a lot of things happened. And I'm just so glad to be with you and all the people that I can't see right now. It just feels, feels really right and good. So thank you for the gift of oh, yeah. you. 
Thank you. Much. I appreciate it. And, mm, and thank you. you tell everybody where they can find your book, where they can, if you want to be contacted, how to Sure. Contact. Oh yeah. My, I mean, unfortunately I have a very long website because I wasn't thinking anybody would be interested in this book other than my family, but my, my book is called Flower in the River, not Flowers, but Flower in the River. It's available on Amazon and all the other places you can get book. And that's also the name of my website. And of course, you can look through my name. If you if you type my name, Natalie Zett, you'll find my website. I think that's the first thing that pops up. I love hearing from people. Um, I've heard a lot of from a lot of people who had were descendants of Eastland people, which is fascinating to me. So um yeah, and you got a tragedy in your family. I also had family in the Johnstown flood, by the way. It's just I, that was my Johnstown story. So we're not a lucky crew, but you know, we we live to tell the tale. So absolutely, I love hearing from people. I love conversing with people. So yes, I might be introverted, but I do talk to people. That uh, I am too. I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I, I totally feel you. Like I'm, I'm I, okay. I hear you 100. This, awesome. this was a great conversation. Thank Aww. you. So much. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking your precious time on a, such an awful day to be with me. And you are, I will say this, but I mean it not religiously. You are a blessing. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Nice to meet you. You too. Nice to meet you.